Okay. Welcome to the first episode of what we're calling AlphaCast. And my name's Alpha Warrior, and this is Dr. Bear Paul Lando, and we are two of the co-founders of Alpha Vedic. And we are up here on the Smith River in Northern California and are putting this podcast together to uh, for our community and to just kind of have it as an outlet to talk and get into subjects that we are passionate about and uh, really just for fun. So welcome and we're happy to be here. Uh, and uh, so this is uh, Dr. Bear Paul Lando. Uh, Bear, did you want to give a little intro to yourself? Michael, and... how you doing, buddy? <laughs> good, good. I'm really happy How's to be here. How's the weather up at your place today? Uh, the weather's great. Um, it's sunny. We're having a very mild winter here, as you're aware, and uh, we couldn't be happier in that, re you know, in that respect. Uh, I guess we could have a little bit more rain, so the river could be higher, so I can have a little better fishing, but um, so far, not complaining with 68 degree weather in February. If you look out my window here, the river's right down there, and then there's a big mountain range, and Michael lives right over on the other side of that mountain range. As a crow flies, not too far away, he's on the main fork of the Smith River, and I'm on the south fork. I'm uh, off-grid. Uh, it's about 20 miles away from power lines. It's the way we prefer to live. And uh, we'll talk more about off-grid living, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, it's beautiful here too today. A few chemtrails in the sky. Uh, we had a couple clear days, so I guess they had to get us today. But otherwise, everything's beautiful. Yeah, I noticed that this morning too. And we can also get into that because that might have some eyes rolling when you say chemtrails. But they're a reality. And I mean, we're very remote. Why are there uh, hypersonic jets flying above our heads going back and forth? You know, there's no large hubs here. There's no military outposts that I'm aware of. Um, why are there planes going back and forth crisscrossing our beautiful skies? You know, we're, we have a population here of, um, I would say, maybe 20,000 in this part of the county, and that would I mean, how many square miles is that bear? I mean, that's, it's a massive uh, landmass for that, that population. Why are these jets crisscrossing back and forth? I mean, yeah, so, uh, we've uh, studied a lot into that. We'll talk more about this kind of thing in the future. I'm interested in these, uh, not in any conspiratorial way, but I want to know what affects people's bodies. So we work with uh, very prominent scientists that take uh, soil samples, uh, samples uh, from plants, samples out of the atmosphere and the water. They do it every day, all day long. Uh, I look at that data because uh, uh, people that uh, come to me for consulting when they have serious health problems, we find the same thing running around in their blood, creating all sorts of problems. So it's hard not to connect the dots. That's uh, why it's been of interest in, uh, for me. But we'll have some people that know a lot more about the technical aspects of that in the near future on some of our podcasts and uh, it'd be interesting talk. Yeah, indeed. And I guess that's a good segue into health and kind of what we're all about, which is we are a health and education platform and we're product driven, but we're also informational, informationally driven and uh, hence this podcast. And that's really, we want to provide a lot of information to the public uh, in regards to health and I think uh, for this first episode, 
it's a great topic to get right into is kind of our thesis for what good health means, you know, in terms of your daily life regimen and kind of from what you eat to what you do internally and uh, mentally and physically and emotionally. Emotions are very important and oftentimes not taken into consideration by mainstream health. So um, yeah, I think that's a good topic to get into and kind of maybe a little background on you, uh, Dr. Lando, on uh, kind of where you come from and um, your experience in this area and also some of the methodologies that we implement in Alpha Vedic and in your own personal practice and, and how it relates to this topic. Yeah, I actually got into medicine uh, kind of through the back door. Um, I was a uh, scholarship athlete in college and just figured I'd uh, go for a career in sports somewhere and one thing led to another in college. I got a little more interested academically, so things took a turn. But, uh, you know, I had a, 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 like a double major undergraduate with uh, pre-law and pre-med. And then I did a um, graduate school uh, my last year of football when most guys were just trying to stay eligible for their senior year. I already uh, had my master's degree and, um, and uh, was actually doing a little instructing in the psychology at the university where I was at. And um, it, all truth being known, the reason why I did the graduate school is I wanted to stay at the uh, university where I was at because I had a great ski resort close by. So I was trying <laughs> to stay, overstay my welcome there. But uh, because I had a background in sports, my main interest always was, uh, you know, how can I get the competitive edge? And, and so uh, way back before it was fashionable, I was uh, studying nutrition and advanced training techniques. I did a lot of martial arts training and borrowed from martial arts understandings uh, and applied that to, you know, my more Western style sports. And um, it, all of a sudden it occurred to me when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life that I should just do what I enjoy most. And that was uh, understanding the human body and that kind of thing. So um, I was uh, accepted into a program at Stanford Medical School, uh, not as an MD, but uh, a certification that they were offering at the time. And I had the uh, academics and, and background to get accepted. And what they wanted to do is put out an elite level paramedic that was doing a complete ER skills kind of thing out in the field, kind of beyond uh, normal uh, paramedics. And it was a big thing. This is back in the 70s. So uh, I spent a few years uh, working as a fireman paramedic. It was a great experience. And after that, I came to the conclusion rather than um, continuing on in, uh, as an MD or, or, you know, my original plans, I decided, well, I think I got the best of what Western medicine, uh, what I needed to learn from it, which was, you know, kind of good technical skills, uh, hands-on mash skills, that sort of thing. And uh, then I elected to go to a four-year uh, naturopathic college, and I um, specialized in oriental medicine, uh, classical homeopathy, and a few other things. Uh, but back in California, where I was uh, at that point, the legislature wasn't... Um, uh, uh, let's just say, um, okaying the certification of nature paths in the state at that point back then. So I wanted a uh, license. It was good in every state. So I started school all over again, went to a four-year chiropractic college, got a 
uh, degree in chiropractic uh, uh, and then used that as an alternative license and uh, a lot of postdoctoral work, uh, a lot of European training in uh, classical European biological train medicine. Uh, I was one of the early uh, uh, practitioners of applied and clinical kinesiology with the founders of those systems, and I'm a charter diplomat in, uh, in, in one of those systems. And uh, while we were making great inroads in neurology back in that time with very specialized muscle testing, not the type you see in health food stores, but the real deal, um, we were uh, uh, really making uh, new understandings and some prominent uh, physicians from Europe came to study with us. And they, a lot of them were all old timers uh, these days, but you know, they not only embraced it, but took it back to their countries and proved that you know, it was in fact uh, getting the same results we were getting. So um, they in turn exposed us to what they were doing in Europe. So it's been kind of a nice family uh, on both sides of the pond uh, and a good integration of a lot of different uh, techniques and everything. And um, you know, what really excites me these days is uh, not just integrating a lot of those old techniques, uh, uh, you know, but a lot of new understandings as far as what really constitutes science and uh, how that uh, puts medicine and the practice of medicine in a whole different context. And unfortunately, we aren't taught this level of science in medical school. And so you have to kind of go do it your, on your own. And, and, and that's a big topic uh, as far as what I'd like to discuss more in the future, because if people really understood, uh, you know, what this uh, means as far as how we perceive our entire reality, let alone our bodies and our health, it would open up uh, many options that aren't presently considered even in so-called alternative or holistic medicine. Yeah, would you would you think it's fair to say that this so-called holistic or alternative medicine now has become very, in its in its own right, self-regulated and very mainstream and kind of, in a way, closed-minded too, like the legacy systems. I mean, uh, you see it now where it's, I don't know if it's been co-opted or if it's just the nature of the beast when something becomes popular, but it, I feel like, you know, we're outsiders with even in those, in that realm, in a sense. Yeah, well, it, it all starts, of course, with uh, institutionalized medicine and a uh, lot of fine doctors and, and amazing people and technologies and, and uh, love to avail myself to these as well. And uh, on the other hand, um, uh, when things get institutionalized, other uh, vested interests uh, get involved. And that's been the nature of the American Medical Association from day one, because nature paths were the original doctors of the day back in the earlier 1900s, and they were legislated out of existence. And that's uh, some other stories that, uh, you know, we can uh, go off on later, uh, because there's a lot of history in this country relative to naturopathy and the origins of the AMA that aren't even discussed in alternative circles. And I've uh, seen a lot of that firsthand, so a lot of fun things. And I even worked with Nature Pass back, uh, you know, I'm 70-ish now, but uh, back in the, in the day when I was uh, young and upcoming in Nature Path the College, I sat alongside of 90-year-olds uh, on assembly day who are Nature Paths that, uh, you know, paid the price and made it possible for people like me to do what I do because they spent half of their time in jail getting their houses burned down and, and all sorts of uh, horrible things happening to them because there was a new uh, 
interests that uh, had a lot of political and financial power that, uh, you know, uh, became the origins of the AMA. That doesn't mean that everything or everybody over there is bad, but it, it does have its roots in some uh, kind of seedy enterprises and doings. And, uh, but, but the, the thing is, is I'm a believer in integrated me integrative medicine, and in which case uh, I, I embrace the new technologies and advances, uh, but you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And then at the same time, um, you know, uh, to address your question more, Michael, um, you know, a lot of these uh, legislations and things uh, also control the curriculums of colleges. So now when you go to naturopathic or chiropractic college, uh, you basically are studying mostly courses that are going to prepare you for your national boards, which are very similar, if not identical to the national boards at uh, medical doctors and all sorts of primary healthcare professions. Uh, uh, practitioners have to take in common. So, um, so yeah, uh, you really don't get the hands-on, uh, um, you know, skills and, uh, and, uh, you know, the, the flavor of what uh, a lot of those traditional disciplines such as acupuncture and chiropractic osteopathy, all the, the good hands-on techniques that have been time proven, uh, they, they all kind of lost their essence and we've all been, uh, on both sides uh, brought into this just standardized understanding of the human body, which is based on faulty science in the first place. And that's the thing that really uh, uh, requires, I think, a lot of discussion out there because it would uh, dispel a lot of the fears we have uh, with all these chronic degenerative conditions that are in epidemic uh, proportions now and affecting so many of us. And, uh, and when you're free of fear, then you can uh, develop strategies and, um, and, and true integrative approaches that uh, make sense rather than uh, making decisions uh, for fear or, uh, or just out of ignorance because we don't know of any other options out there. So um, yeah, we need to, like with most things on this planet today that aren't working too well, we need to uh, decentralize, go back to the roots, integrate the things that have been true advancements, and then also end the suppression of uh, levels of information and real science. Uh, and I call it real science because what I learned in my pre-med, med school and graduate school and everything else wasn't real science. It had half of science so that, you know, it would seem logical on one level, uh, but then when you learn both sides of the equation, you realize that, well, not only do we have all the solutions for everything that ails our body, but everything that ails our planet as well. And uh, people, even the most avant-garde uh, circles, uh, you know, within alternative medicine now, um, really haven't had that education or exposure. So that's something that really needs to be changed. Yeah. and. Going back to the fear idea, which stems from ignorance, I mean, I, I would postulate that's the greatest killer because that's what stops people from investigating, uh, moving forward on um, other ideas that are outside the norm that could potentially lead them down the path towards enlightenment and towards uh, true health. And the fear is what I think is a part of the control grid. And um, yeah, getting, getting out of that zone of fear uh, and then that opens up all sorts of avenues towards uh, really cool stuff. And that's kind of, I think, a role that we're trying to play is 
in this podcast and on our blog. And I mean, we have a great post on and steam it, which we love. Uh, we're big fans of decentralized tech and steam. It is a decentralized blockchain based uh, protocol, if you will, where people can post kind of like a blog and uh, it goes on the blockchain. So it's decentralized. Nobody can censor it. And then those who choose to can upvote it and do all sorts of cool stuff. And you can earn actual cryptos, uh, steam for, for posting. Uh, but we have a great post called conspiracy of science on there. And, um, it kind of goes into detail exactly on how the fear and the uncertainty and everything that plays in, into a daily, a daily individual's life, um, in many ways is, is intentional. Um, and it play, it helps, those who profit off the current system uh, by keeping people from exploring different avenues of thought. So when we see this, it's an institutionalized, it's in, um, in the universities. Uh, it's, uh, I've seen it personally because my wife's a nurse, my mom's a nurse, um, she ran a hospital, and you see how the you know, everything, it's funny, people say, well, how could this be true? How, you know, there's this notion that and today we are the most evolved humans have ever been. We are at the apex of our technology. Uh, Western medicine is the best um, in regards to uh, the advancements we have in the technology. And this is a, an agenda that, and a concept that's just pushed where most people in the United States, they really believe this. Uh, and, and in fact, we talk about this. There are certain things in uh, Western medicine that are the best. Um, when we talk about crises, you know, uh, crisis mode, uh, being the ability to, um, fix a broken leg, for instance, or if you have a torn tendon or something, right. But, um, maybe go into that a little bit on kind of where we are in the current state of things with Western medicine and what we do at Alpha Vedic, how we engage and we take those best elements and then we kind of interact with all sorts of other modalities and stuff that we feel are true science and um and it's really going to be an interesting thing to see as um, we move forward uh as people start to awaken and maybe start questioning the current medical system and what's fun is when uh we get more into these areas of uh, real science um it actually explains the basis for what we consider metaphysics uh, what was metaphysics back in the day uh, when I started just kind of going down that road with uh, martial arts training and, and a lot of other, uh, you know, rabbit holes I went down. Um, you know, uh, those are really uh, explainable now with uh, levels of science. We're going to talk a lot in the future about what we call waveform mechanics, which uh, understands uh, everything in our universe ourselves included as uh, nothing but electricity there's only one substance in the universe that's electricity and when uh, mike's talking about how different things might affect our health like emotions and that sort of thing well uh if you understand waveform mechanics we're talking about well um emotions as we call them are just one of uh, a number of dimensions on that same waveform that create our whole reality uh, when you go back to the classics uh, that I've studied very intensely uh, in, uh, you know, Ayurvedic and, and, um, and uh, classical Asian medicine, uh, and they're talking about 
elements and things like that. Well, when you decipher the, the classics, uh, you, what you realize is they're talking about sonics and electricity. When they talk about like the earth element, what you know, they're really talking about is F sharp. Uh, you know, they're really talking about F sharp being a tonal field within a certain octave on those waveforms that create all those, uh, everything in our reality. And the, the most wonderful thing is the more you get into this, not only does it tie everything together, but it, uh, practitioners like myself, you know, way back when, when I was studying uh, Oriental medicine, it was like real exotic and, and, and that sort of thing, which is kind of half of what attracted me to it. But we were using, I was trying to understand cultural concepts from a different time and a different place and not realizing until, you know, I went to the original uh, uh, writings that, you know, uh, predated most of what's going on today. Uh, you know, they're talking about electronics. They're talking about frequencies and they're talking about sound. And so now when you learn this uh, level of science, uh, you have something that can bridge the gap between cultures. And as a practitioner uh, of the integrative arts, when we're looking at what we think of as contemporary medicine and, and now uh, somehow, okay, where does, uh, you know, osteopathy and, and meridian therapy and that sort of thing fit into this? Well, if you understand the basis that they understood, even though they used different words that I didn't understand earlier on there, now uh, everything is, is just integrated on its own. I, I get what they're talking about. I get what they were doing. And now we can, uh, the Western mind is now not conflicted with these uh, different ideas and that reconciliation for me, you know, when I learned, uh, you know, again, different levels of science going back to the basics of uh, where those other systems started thousands of years ago, it not only starts making sense, but it has a great practical consideration because uh, now we can use those things, uh, you know, in a clinical setting and, uh, you know, understand exactly what dimension of that individual that we're working on when we um, look at it from a perspective of, uh, you know, say meridians uh, versus neurology versus uh, cardiovascular versus biochemistry, um, you know, and so forth. And, and even, uh, you know, we've developed ways of doing labs and things where even though we're taking chemical elements out, we understand them from an electrical point of view, and we uh, get a much more, again, an integrative understanding of what's going on and be able to operate upstream. So rather than trying to look at, okay, what's down here at the uh, end product of biochemistry, we're looking way further up where those molecules and everything originate uh, from the start. So um, yeah, we're in, in the best of circles, even in, in um, holistic medicine, we're working way downstream. We're trying to reverse engineer from the bottom up. It's not the place to work. So we need to change our approach. We need to understand what all the different uh, practices are really about and put them together in an intelligent whole. And, uh, you know, it's great in naturopathic circles. I mean, a lot of wonderful people, intelligent people doing great things. But, you know, we're still in the same box. We're, we're still looking at things as problems, as disease. And the fact is, is when you get into a different level of understanding, you realize there's no such thing as disease. There's only biological processes that uh, are, are automatic and, and are set in motion when certain imbalances uh, you know, accrue. And, and it's the body's way of writing itself. And if you understand that, 
now instead of getting the diagnosis and going off the deep end and greater fear, uh, you know, intelligent people can develop strategies. Uh, and in my experience, those strategies are uh, very successful in comparison from conventional approaches. Uh, you know, it's just so experience helps when you realize that, wow, this stuff actually works out there. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, you know, on both sides, we're still working within the same superstitions. And uh, even though in uh, naturopathic chiropractic circles, we're doing things less toxically, less invasively, still it's, um, again, still we're in the same superstitious box. And we're, uh, you know, I describe it as green allopathy. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with allopathy. That's not a, a bad word. I, I, you know, worked in emergency medicine and somebody's not breathing or they're uh, OD'd or their, you know, heart stops, uh, you know, drugs and, and, and uh, AMA technologies are amazing and they work and I'm a big believer in them. On the other hand, chronic degenerative disease is what plagues most people in their lives sooner or later. And if you don't understand how things really work, um, you know, uh, your results are going to be uh, putting a bandaid on a gate, putting a bandaid yeah. on a gaping wound. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. You mentioned uh, electric, uh, you know, the idea that um, everything's electrical, electrical universe. Uh, the electrical universe theory has become more and more trendy of late. And I think one thing we need to differentiate ourselves from is I'm actually looking at a Vice article right now. The people who believe electricity rules the universe. And uh, Wallace Thornhill is one of the founders of this concept. And, um, you know, it, of course, Vice here is completely bashing it, saying it goes at odds against everything that modern, quote unquote, science has determined about the universe. Um, yet something about it sparks fervor in the hearts of its believers. Um, I mean, basically, I guess one thing that we need to make very clear is we kind of have a, a different theory in regards to this and a lot of what the mainstream electrical universe people are proposing. Um, and are you familiar with Walter Thornhill at all or and the, the EU and stuff like that? Fair? Uh, yes, I am. Uh, haven't studied, studied him as extensively as uh, the, the people that you know I'm involved with, which is the uh, University of Philosophy and Science, which is the Walter Russell, uh, his original uh, foundation and his body of work, which is, uh, he's, uh, in my opinion, the, the greatest luminary in a couple thousand years. And uh, he's the father of uh, atomic energy. He's the first one that discovered those transuranium or atomic elements. Uh, he, um, yeah, I mean, we could talk forever about Walter Russell, but the, the, the neat thing is, is that um, when you understand the simplicity and, and the wisdom behind his teachings, it not only explains everything in a congruous way, uh, you know, one of the things that always upset me uh, in my early training is when I was taking a physics class or some such thing, uh, or, or even uh, in medicine, especially, you, you find contradictions all the time. They'll have one theorem over here, and, and then they have another one over here, and they contradict each other. And, and anybody, I mean, not even in medical science, but just uh, classical logic, you'd say, well, it, something can't be true and false at the same time. So, uh, but for some reason, uh, you know, people with great education and intelligence uh, don't catch those inconsistencies. Now, when you study Walter Russell, 
not only does he explain everything perfectly that makes sense and is congruent, um, and, and then also fills in all the gaps that we think, well, we don't know this yet, or we aren't capable of understanding that. Uh, not only does he provide the answers for everything, but when you apply uh, his theories um, in a practical way, technologically, technology works. And not only does it you know, prove out that his theories have something to them because the technology that is based on uh, works, but also those technologies don't require that you uh, destroy your ecosystem, uh, you know, and have just kind of this, this typical one-way combustion loop uh, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, right now, um, you know, a lot of people are just getting familiar with some of the work of uh, Tesla and, and that sort of thing. It's becoming more of a household name. But, uh, you know, Tesla and Walter Russell had a lot of communication in their lifetime. Uh, Tesla uh, basically told Walter when he was, Walter's thing of going public with his information, uh, he said, Walter, humanity isn't ready for it yet, maybe in a thousand years, put it in a time capsule. Hmm. Uh, but uh, Tesla was a great admirer of uh, Walter Russell, and they were on the same page. And some of Walter Russell's inventions that would solve all our energy needs on the planet right now are even more sophisticated in what uh, Tesla was doing. So, um, you know, Walter Russell is somebody that it, it need, he needs to become a household name. Uh, his understanding of the universe needs to become, uh, you know, just common knowledge. And the wonderful thing is, is when you get into the most level, uh, advanced levels of understanding of his work, uh, uh, somebody with a fourth grade education is capable of understanding. That doesn't mean that uh, there isn't, uh, you know, a, a, a level of depth behind his work. But the closer you get to the truth, in my experience, things get simpler and simpler. And it's our um, kind of our linear thought processes that predominate our present education system uh, that do not integrate the other side of ourselves in that would give us both sides of the equation uh, when you're in a linear, uh, more of an intellectual, mental plane uh, uh, kind of uh, research mode, things get real complicated and convoluted. And, and um, yeah, so uh, we're going to have people uh, in, in the near future uh, that we'll be interviewing uh, from uh, the Walter Russell circles, uh, people that are, uh, uh, you know, engineers and doing amazing things. So we'll have them tell, uh, tell our audience about uh, what they're doing firsthand. And, um, but I have not found anybody out there that is applying Walter Russell's uh, electrical universe understanding to medicine. And uh, I don't understand that because uh, for me, it's a no brainer and it uh, allows not only uh, a, a very high level of, uh, of uh, awareness as far as what really creates problems in the body, but it offers all the solutions as well. And it dispels the fears, which uh, just confound your chemistry and put you in further stress and, and, and wor uh, worsen uh, chronic issues. So, um, yeah. Yeah, what's uh, nice about Walter Russell is he scientifically kind of proves a lot of the mystics traditions, you know, the beliefs that your spirituality affects your physicality, your thoughts affect your physicality, um, and he actually shows why, right? So. Yeah. Um, yeah. the whole theory of like, if you think you're going to be sick, well, you're going to be sick. Well, yeah. I mean, if you have negative thoughts, they're going to affect you physically. Um, yeah. and so he can actually show why that happens. 
Yeah, and and uh, even more fundamental on that is there's no separation between the parts. So it's not like your thoughts or your feelings kind of have a, an effect on your body. It's like, no, they're dimensions of the same thing, and it's all electrical. We're going to get into some things that will seem far-fetched to some people, but when you understand the nature of our universe and the fact that it's thought-based and thought is um, producing a polarization of electricity, which then creates the nuances of vibration that our senses pick up and paint this 3D um, simulation, if you will, uh, you realize that we have a lot to say about that. In fact, we have everything to say about that. And I would say um, there are certain interests on this planet that are desperately trying to keep us away from real science because simultaneously it would bring us face-to-face uh, -face with ourselves as a creator of our own experience and not just say, oh, we kind of influence. It's not, this isn't a think and grow rich kind of thing. This is like, no, we are literally the creators 100% of our experience. And each one of us is the center of our universe. And uh, man, which is a species, uh, is different than other species in that we have a point, uh, you know, when we're toddlers, where we become self-realized, where uh, instead of Johnny uh, says, I, Johnny says this, Johnny says that, when, when the toddler refers to himself as Johnny, all of a sudden, and quite spontaneous one day, he says, I want this. And at that point, and people like Rudolf Steiner would explain how uh, at that very moment is when we become center of our universe as the creator of it. And that is what, how uh, we differ from other species. And that uh, gives us a real interesting role on this planet. And the other thing that people need to consider is all of what we consider in uh, science as far as uh, observation and evidence-based and everything. Well, there's really no such thing because uh, evidence-based is nothing more than uh, reporting the observation of uh, or feedback from our senses or from technological extension of our senses. And the fact is, is all of that is part of the same simulation. <laughs> and so, you know, that's, uh, you know, our sensory apparatus, just like, uh, just like a navigation system in a car can be very handy, but it's only a device to, uh, you know, help us navigate in a way and then also allow us to experience the texture and different dimensions and, and again, many nuances of uh, what our thought processes and what our emotions are creating within the simulation so that we have an opportunity to um, change and create what we do want if we aren't creating what we, if, if we're creating what we don't want. And, uh, and, and to the point where we're creating uh, things that are uh, absolutely harmless to all other living things, things that are uh, bringing great, great beauty and aesthetics to our lives and to the planet. And uh, that's what medicine is supposed to be about. And when you go back to the original Pythagoreans and in the early schools of thought, uh, the, the, the Pythagoreans who coined the term physician in the first place, it meant teacher. And a physician was somebody who was uh, uh, meant to instruct people and help them come to grips with the fact that they are the creator of their own universe. And that is the origin of all of our problems. But when you realize that you're the origin, then you can do something about it. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, it's not 
real popular for everybody to assume 100% um, responsibility for their lives and everything in it. But that's what it requires. That's what true spirituality, in my opinion, is. It's about taking responsibility. And the nice thing is, is to bring this full circle again, is when we get uh, exposed to real science, real medicine, uh, you know, when our institutions, uh, e even financial, and, and Mike, I'd like you to maybe comment on maybe where our financial institutions are going and how the whole world right now is contriving to decentralize and bring everything back into um, our control, our individual control, rather than people remote from us telling us what to do. And, um, you know, all of these things are going to have great impacts on our health. Because if you're separate from your food source, if you're separate from uh, your, your form of governance and, and, and all these sorts of things, uh, we can explain in terms of classical homeopathy how that creates uh, what in homeopathy they call miasms, which are the seeds of all our illness. So, um, you know, getting well and being healthy in our bodies is also assuming responsibility for everything uh, we do, including self-governance. And um, we'll get a lot into those areas too, self-governance. We'll tell you about a little thing going on in the new state of California. I'm a, a representative for our county for New California. And, but there's a great movement globally for people um, taking back control of their own lives and uh, being responsible. And uh, I'd say our, our meetings here, our discussions are uh, hopefully going to bring people in and offer real sound advice on how to get started. Because, you know, most people say, where the heck do I start? Yeah, it's interesting how I'd, I'd be I'd be interested to see if there's some sort of um, research that could be done paralleling the increase in degenerative diseases uh, and the increase of collectivism, kind of statism. Uh, you know, the um, individual, you know, losing the the erosion of personal responsibility in their life, um, because that's something we're definitely seeing in the mainstream um, with our culture is this more and more collective kind of, um, and, and there, and I do believe that there's a lot that can be, uh, positive with collective consciousness, right? When we come together as individuals in our own strength and then come together once we have, um, our own temple in order or whatever we want to call it. And then we can work together to create a beautiful world. But if we don't have that foundation and instead we're, we're relying upon something else, to be the foundation, then everything erodes, right? And we're kind of seeing that in the culture right now where uh, there's a lot of emotions that are just flying everywhere on social media and there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of, um, you know, we've seen the explosion in degenerative disease. Um, I think it was even mainstream came out this year that for the first time in a long time, we're gonna see lifespan. I mean, they're even admitting it is going down right? So it's plummeting. It's plummeting yeah. now. Yeah. So it'd be, it, I, I feel like there's definitely a correlation there, right? With the way culture is oh, right yeah. now. Yeah. I'll answer your question right now. You don't have to be a statistician to, to appreciate <laughs> it either. All you have to do is open your eyes. It is directly proportional as far as the, uh, the epidemic rise in all chronic degenerative conditions with the usurpation of uh, our own responsibilities. 
Yeah, by being an autonomous, uh, uh, autonomous individual in control of your own destiny, you know it. You know as soon as as soon as you have your finances in order and you have your uh, a place that you live that you're comfortable with and you're uh, established in your own emotions and your own um, you know your path towards whether it be your career or just uh, you know something you've decided to focus your life on. You you know for me I, that's been something I've been trying to accomplish forever is my career path because I have so many likes. But once you start really getting on that right path and you've done it yourself, it's like this calm comes up and you feel, you don't, I think a lot of people are just so lost in this community because they're so distracted with all the social media, with um, all the points of interest hitting them left and right with this uh, very fragmented reality that we have now. And they've lost the, their, the sense of self and the sense of control over their destiny. And so they're kind of lost in the sea of collectivism and sea of just um, of fear and, and all these different notions about what reality is. And so that will lead to uh, physical issues. Um, exactly. so yeah, no, the decentralization aspect is really uh, interesting. Um, there's a lot of movements going on. We'll, on this podcast, get into some of my theories. I have this breakaway civilization theory that is counter to the, I guess the alternative one about the elites being the breakaway civilization. But my theory is more in line with those who are waking up and we've decided, and this kind of goes in parallel with the idea about taking control of your life. It's like, well, you know, we're just going to do it ourselves. We're not going to wait for anybody. We're going to start doing podcasts like this. We're going to start getting involved with, um, uh, communities that are like-minded on the internet. We're going to get involved with cryptocurrencies, uh, decentralized ledgers and blockchain technology, um, alternative sources of entertainment, whether it be on, you know, something like Steemit or DTube, which is a, a YouTube that's decentralized and not controlled by uh, singular people who have agendas, right? So while some aspects of technology are dangerous and scary. Other aspects, if they're coming from the right place, can be freeing. And um, so, yeah, we kind of, I see that we potentially are at the cusp of this new, this new reality, which is really exciting. And I, th I think the biggest thing to take away from Alpha Vedic is that we are extremely excited and positive about the future and where everything's going. And it's not doom and gloom at all. It's the complete opposite of that. Uh, we're embracing um, our own individuality and then coming together as an enlightened collective to um, bring these technologies, these new modalities, these, um, all this great stuff together and um, growing from it and, yeah, hopefully uh, creating a better life for our kids. Yeah, and you moved up from Southern California. Um, yeah moved your whole family, your career, everything, and now you're living uh, over the living ridge the high there. Life, high life and... Uh, well, how do you feel <laughs> living here, and how's your family, how's the quality of your life compared to when you lived in Southern California? I mean, I think the biggest reality check is when we actually have to go south or go towards a more populated area. Um, you start to because you i we've been here for over a year now and the first six months was definitely a process of kind of shedding off the stress and everything from living in a city your whole life um and it's not like we 
moved out here to, to hillbilly land either. This is an amazing place. It's a, it's a world renowned destination center for um, recreational activity. We live in the Smith river recreational area. I'm one of the most pristine rivers in the world. It's famous for steelhead fishing, kayaking. Um, we have the redwoods here. Uh, Jedediah Smith park um, is world renowned. So we live in a, in a, a very beautiful, aesthetically pleasing place. Um, and the stress that has shut off, you don't, you kind of realize it, but then when, you know, I head down to Santa Barbara to do work with partners or, um, you know, anywhere that's more populated and you start getting in those zones, you start seeing the, the nature of those areas and it, you start having physiological responses to it. And it's, it's kind of amazing. Uh, it's really eye-opening. And um, my wife and I, I mean, we just love it here. Our kids can run around and just be free, like literally like I was in the 80s, you know, riding their bikes wherever, not, no fear of anything weird happening. I mean, they're just kind of like get to grow up as real kids, you know, playing in nature, swimming in the river, riding their bikes all around town, um, and have the ability to kind of develop themselves without all the stimulus uh, that you have now in the cities and stuff. Um, you know, the, the people here are really independent and very open uh, to any, uh, you know, new ideas though. It's not, I think there's a lot of um, stereotypes in the cities when it comes to people who live in the country. And that's one thing I've realized immediately is that there's a heck of a lot of wisdom out here uh, because people just figure out how to do stuff on their own because you don't have all the resources that you have in the city, you know, stuff gets broken. You got to fix it. I mean, you can call someone, but it's a lot more difficult to get someone out here to fix things. I mean, that's just one very minor example, but um, yeah, growing our own food is, has been really fun. Um, you know, getting just more involved with our community. I'm now volunteering. I'm a volunteer firefighter for our town, which has just been something I never thought I'd be doing coming from, you know, my background and working in entertainment, uh, working in Hollywood, working in music, working in tech. Um, I was never really a hands-on helper kind of person in regards to my community before. I mean, sure, I, I would volunteer to be a coach for my kids' soccer team and do stuff like that and um, grew up working, you know, doing stuff for my church and I was always very much into volunteering, but not something so hardcore as jumping into a burning house or you know, dealing with, um, trauma and, um, you know, really bad car wrecks and everything we deal with up here. And, um, so yeah, I'm just spiritually waking up too, living here. It's just when you're surrounded by nature and you get all that stimulus off you, uh, every, all the distraction from living in the city, the keeping up with the Joneses and everything. I mean, I can go on for hours on this, but yeah. Um, and I think that's why you see with the millennials, especially there's this massive, um, trend of city kids and stuff. It's really become trendy to like get a Volkswagen bus and just travel around the country for a couple years and go to the national parks. And, uh, it's cool. It's really cool to see because I think people are waking up to the fact that you've got to get out. You've got to get to nature. You've got to get in touch with yourself. And we're just fortunate enough to be able to do it every day, living in it. So yeah, I'm so happy you're doing it because your kids. I, I love your kids; they're like my grandkids, you know. And um, we raised our kids the same way. We uh, I had a kind of a surfing addiction uh, most of my life, so we lived in places like Fiji and Hawaii. But we always lived in rural island settings, so we homeschooled our kids. Um, 
I delivered my own kids in, uh, in our bedroom. Uh, I didn't vaccinate, uh, and uh, I'm glad uh, we didn't, and they're also glad that we didn't. And uh, we'll talk a lot about that in the future. I've had the unfortunate experience of uh, tending to a lot of uh, children permanently maimed uh, immediately after they received vaccines. Uh, so we elected not to do that. It was a big thing for me back then because I was just conventionally trained at that point, ha didn't have as much alternative training. And uh, it, it was huge. I was, uh, you know, we were very um, conflicted because, uh, you know, I came from the same conventional belief systems and, and, and then coupled with my training. And, and then I started, I was taken under the wing by somebody who's very prominent and a chief of staff kind of person at a prominent research hospital. And he said, you know, uh, <laughs> look at uh, this evidence and, uh, you know, this uh, information over here. And of course, it's all on a QT because in the medical profession, you have to be very careful because you'll be blackballed in a second or worse, um, you know, if you go contrary to uh, policy. So, um, you know, I w was in a situation where, geez, what if I don't and something horrible happens? I never forgive myself. Um, then on the other hand, what if I do when something horrible happens? And uh, now years later with uh, experience and study and, and everything, I, uh, it's the best decision I ever made in my life. And, um, and, and we've never looked back. But, you know, back when I was in that transition of uh, changing my mind uh, and, and as a parent, just uh, loving your kids more than anything imaginable, uh, it, it's not a light decision. So I get the controversy out there. So we're going to bring in some people, uh, you know, talk more about it. Uh, and, uh, and even look at some angles that I don't hear, uh, in the discussion out there. And yeah, it's become it, very, yeah. it's become very politicized and polarized yeah. and you've got like yeah. the anti-vax, the pro vax you know, and, and yeah. yeah, emotions, right. Going back into this whole thing we, we've been discussing here where, social media and the the systems that are in the right now in our society polarize and they create these emotions and then you lose the um the real discussions the rational approach exactly. um, the, the yeah. open lines of discussion we're seeing that in politics right now it's like you got to be left or you got to be right you, you know it's um and i think we can get into this more like this is very yeah. intentional in many ways yeah. But yeah, no, the, I think we'll do a whole podcast or a few on this topic because it's, it's very, you know, something we'll touch on a lot. It's very controversial. It's very emotionally charged. Um, you know, I, we did the same and it's like, I'm scared to even admit it on a live podcast because I don't want someone knocking on my door, taking my kids away. Um, I will say this, and this is from purely uh, anecdotal experience. My kids are extremely healthy. Um, they don't get sick much. They um, are extremely intelligent. They, um, and of course they're my kids, so I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna be saying this, but uh, in relation to some of their friends, um, I've seen it. And it's, I can't tell my friend's parents it because it's, it's, it's just heart-wrenchingly heart sad. But I've seen the damage. And I've seen peers of my kids be permanently damaged from it and have, um, it's, it's really sad. And you say, well, how do you know? Well, because I, you know, we had the 
kind of the fortunate experience of having close friends who had kids that grew up with our kids and from the day they were born and when they came back from getting shots, we saw changes. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's really sad. So I know it's anecdotal and it's, uh, but when you see it in your life to the point where you see enough examples of the anecdotal evidence, it starts to really make the decision easier as a parent. It's like, why risk it? Why risk it? Cause I, thanks to you and research I've done, uh, and we'll have whole podcasts about immunity and herd immunity and what germ theory is and all this stuff. Once you get past the fear and you start to understand how all this works, you see it's, you see that, well, why risk it? What's the point? What's the point? When, why is this so politically charged to begin with? Um, so there's a lot of mis misinformation and a lot of fear and a lot of scary stuff institutionally put out there to force parents to, especially living in California. I mean, not that it played a, a role in why we moved up here, but yeah, it's good to get out of really um, a lot of places that are extremely, um, that are very extreme about these notions, right? Where you would literally could have parents that they found out you didn't vaccinate your kids come to your door and, and sick, you know, the, uh, this, you know, the child protective services on you or something. I mean, that's how insane some of these people are. So they'll take your kids away because of their own emotional thoughts about a subject that they probably don't, that aren't that educated about. They've read a Wired magazine article, which by the way is what our physician down South gave us when I got into the debate with her about vaccination. She's like, well, let me give you some articles. And it was a Wired magazine article. It was a, uh, uh, God, it was another like super mainstream corporate, you know, uh, rag that she gave me. And I said, do you understand the political nature of where these articles are coming from and who's paying for them? And, you know, and that got emotionally charged. Uh, so in my, in my experience, I've kept our head down we just don't talk about it in public circles. It's just not worth it to us. Um, at, we're at yeah. the kind of the point. It's like, well, I, if you can choose to go educate yourself, I'm not going to do it. It's like, you know, I believe in free choice and, uh, I've never tried to persuade anybody one way or the other, uh, in my career days. So I did see thousands of people over many years and a lot of children. And, uh, I now know those children as adults and they're still, amazingly healthy, you know, because they've had different lifestyles, but the ones that didn't fare so well because uh, they, they um, you know, did the, the vaccine schedules and, and that sort of thing, you know, it is heartbreaking uh, when you see these children affected for life. And uh, to bring it full circle to the level of science, real science, um, when we start to take some baby steps into some understandings of waveform mechanics, uh, will understand more clearly how the true contagions are not microbes. There's things happening on completely different levels that then create the chemistries and the, the sorts of things that uh, create biological events in our body, including organisms that live in us all the time that will then um, uh, uh, be stimulated to go through different uh, cyclic uh, phases, in which case uh, morphologically they change, functionally they change. And uh, they live in the body and have the ability to morph like that because at every single uh, uh, different uh, phase, they do different things to the body. For instance, um, 
if uh, the body grows a tumor as a strategy, and we're going to talk a lot about how a growth in the body is actually a biological strategy. And before we did other medical practices, before they became commonplace, these kinds of things just came and went most of the time on their own. And people that understood what was really going on were able to work with the body because they understood exactly uh, what and when the body was doing it and then supplied the things so that the body could go full circle. But uh, where the microbes come in, uh, when a body starts growing something, and we'll go into great detail into this later, uh, microbes from certain areas are recruited to the scene. And when that uh, tumor, we'll call it, uh, outlives its usefulness, it's done its job, then those same organisms will start secreting enzymes and all sorts of things that will then eliminate or degrade the tumor and make it go away. And then that also, with that understanding, is very important as a practitioner because during those uh, phases, you have to recognize uh, you know, when they're happening because then that's not the time to do fasting and Gersten clinics and things like that, which are amazingly helpful. But if you do the wrong thing at the wrong time, then uh, the little creatures and, and the processes in the body don't have the resources they need. So, you know, you need to know all these things. So you don't just, oh, I'm sick, so I'm going to fast and do that because a lot of people have had success with that. I'm a big believer in fasting. We're going to talk a lot about fasting, but you have to do it at the right time. No matter what you're talking about, you have to do it at the right time. You have to appreciate how the body works in cyclic fashion, just like the rest of the universe. And when you get into real science, you'll see that all processes in nature, whether they're galactic or microbial in our own body, they follow the same identical processes. And when you understand why they're doing that and what they're doing, then you can intelligently intervene. And most of the time you have a happy uh, outcome. And again, you're eradicating fear. But fear is a predominant uh, product that's marketed to us because it makes us very amenable to control. And um, when we're in a state of fear, we don't think clearly, uh, we, we, we aren't operating on the highest levels of intelligence, and we uh, react rather than just um, you know, gather information and keep a level head and talk and, and develop uh, you know, uh, protocols that are actually gonna be helpful where you're not shooting yourself in the foot. So um, yeah, all those things start with real science and everything in medical science and every level of what we consider science today is uh, to borrow an old axiom from law, it's fruit from a poison tree. So if I have medical practices that are based on a superstition that we all operate under, and I believe it because I learned it in medical school or whatever, then th there's no chance of really lasting success. And at best, you get temporary uh, relief, things uh, they make up words for, it, remission and all these kinds of things. Well, no, there, there's no such thing. Either you're better or you're not. And uh, It's when like building a, uh, building a house on a cardboard foundation. Exactly. So uh, that's, that's the, the element and the discussion that I hope to bring and to bring in a lot of other people that can really uh, help foster a true understanding so we can get on with, uh, you know, what we're really here to do. And he, mankind is not here to solve problems. 
uh, there are no problems other than of our own making. So uh, I agree with uh, you, Michael, too, in that I'm 100% optimistic. I believe we are embarking on uh, a renaissance of a level that has never been seen on this earth before, a final golden age, if you will. And um, just after the, the Gutenberg Press, um, you know, and, and then uh, the witch hunts and things that kind of necessarily uh, followed because powers that be back then were trying to stem the tide of people that were trying to educate themselves because books were now available. Um, well, the internet has done that for us. And with it, it has surfaced, exposed uh, the creatures on this planet, uh, some of them monsters that um, prey on other individuals and prey on individuals uh, from sheer ignorance. Uh, well, their ignorance as well as our ignorance is, uh, as far as believing that we don't have any say in this process. The fact is, is we have had the power all along. And I would really, really like to never use that term elites ever again, because <laughs> these people are a joke. Uh, these people that think that they can dictate to the whole of humanity when uh, war is necessary. Uh, when we need their little tokens in order to buy our food and, and, and uh, basics for survival, uh, when we believe that they are necessary to come in and uh, settle our differences and that sort of thing. Uh, there are systems that were in place from the absolute beginning that gave us mechanisms and processes to follow and these days it's uh, getting in vogue to say, well, our old system didn't work. Well, I would differ greatly from that opinion because the only reason why things aren't working now is because we aren't following, and in many cases never followed to begin with to the letter, the processes that were incidentally not just governmental uh, guidelines, but they exactly mirror natural law and the way processes work outside in my yard. And if you adhere to that same, those same mechanisms, those same understandings, those same philosophies, then, uh, you know, you're not going to have all the problems that we have. So we have a system that could work beautifully and, uh, it's time for some of us to become educated, to start, uh, implementing uh you know the, the solutions as well as the original design of things and um even though uh you know right now I, I i believe we're seeing the worst right before it gets better like when you take a very sick body somebody who has had a a lifestyle that has been less than impeccable uh somebody who has believed the company line so to speak um, and uh, now they come to, you know, somebody like myself as a last resort. Well, when we start exposing, uh, you know, what's going on in their bodies, um, you're unearthing things, and you're also um, setting the healing reactions in motion that are going to be more severe now uh, as opposed to if they would have started years ago. And then you see uh, people sometimes look a little sicker before they get better. So I think that's where we're at on the planet right now. You're seeing things look real horrible. Uh, do I believe um, it's going to have a happy outcome? Yeah. 
Uh, do I believe that we're going to have a, a very interesting ride um, before we get there, and especially this year? Uh, yeah, hang on to your seats. Um, we're going to bring in some people also that will talk to you about um, their involvement in, uh, in, in, in all sorts of things, including politics and people that are connected in, in different ways and uh, very proactive and some very recognizable names that will uh, kind of uh, collaborate these ideas from their own perspective and their own doings. Yeah, from uh, athletics to martial arts to health science, uh, entertainment, uh, music, uh, things that I'm involved with from the cryptocurrency side, decentralized distributed networks, blockchain technology, um, music, entertainment uh, that we have uh, connections with. I mean, this is going to be a really fun, uh, hopefully a little challenging uh, as well to uh, the mainstream. Anyone who's coming in from doesn't quite have the background. Um, we're, the whole plan is we're, we're trying to provide a platform to help people um, find themselves a little, you know, in, in these uncertain times too, and um, make it fun. I mean, the whole point of this is life short, let's have fun, um, but let's extend life a little bit with some C60. <laughs> so uh, Yeah, we'll, talk, we'll have a whole podcast on that. So yeah. yeah, I absolutely agree. And I'm glad you brought up the athletic point because, um, you know, way back when, uh, my whole intention was to become a sports doctor and just work in the athletic uh, arena. I still have a lot of contacts in that arena because, you know, I played a long time and played with yeah. a lot of people that became uh, hall of famers, all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, I, I, if I had my way, I'd just be doing my martial arts workouts and uh, you know, hit the surf uh, two, three times a week and maybe go fishing with you, Mike. And you know, like that's what life is supposed to be about. And you know, when you're down on the river, you can contemplate the meaning of life and come to all sorts of uh, profound conclusions when you're out in nature and, and that sort of thing. And you know, what I'd really like to do, I, I, I understand that a lot of people that are listening to us will say, well, you guys live off grid, you're out in the country, everything's kind of grand and everything. But meanwhile, I got to go to work, I'm fighting traffic and, you know, I'm living in the thick of things. Well, uh, yeah, it, we're, we're involved in permaculture. Uh, you know, I have my hands in the dirt, uh, you know, as much as not, uh, you know, we uh, um, grow and produce our own medicinal herbs because we want clean herbs we can count on, not things we have to ship in from China and places like that where there's no controls. Um, so agriculture is very big. I work with, uh, uh, well, we're doing some horticultural certifications right now, but we're working with one of the local uh, universities that has a very good ag department. And uh, so, you know, we're really connecting with a lot of people globally that even within those academic institutions are, uh, you know, involved with the permaculture techniques internationally and, and, and people understanding that we have to decentralize farming. Uh, and, and from my perspective as a physician, uh, I think what really ails people the most is they're disconnected from the earth. And the first thing that I tell people is take your shoes off, go out in your yard, uh, connect, you know, plant a garden. So if you're one of those people that's a little frustrated because you feel like you're trapped in the city, trapped in your schedule, well, there's things that you can do. Even if you live in an apartment, we're going to, um, you know, talk about uh, container gardens, uh, kitchen sink gardens. And, you know, anyway, just get people involved with uh, not only, uh, you know, um, uh, producing their own food and, and things that they need, 
uh, their own uh, medicines, you know, uh, that you can grow your own, that sort of thing. Uh, you can do it no matter where you live. Uh, I like where we live and, and I wouldn't have it any other way, but you don't have to be penalized if you're, uh, you know, not out in the boonies with acreage and that sort of thing. Exactly. That's a great point. Probably a great way to end it is, I mean, probably a great amount of our clientele for Alpha Vedic and the, the community we're growing do live in the city. And that's, I wasn't trying to, um, you know, earlier, the fact that I moved away from the city doesn't mean I don't like going to cities. I mean, I love going into San Francisco. I love the culture. I'm a huge uh, foodie. I love, um, you know, uh, Asian food and um, all sorts of different ethnic food. I love to cook. Uh, fortunately, I'd gotten my skills up to where I can do a lot of that at the house here. Um, but yeah, the restaurant culture, um, going to see, you know, um, the arts, all that. I mean, cities are playing a, a really important role in our culture. And we've talked in the past about where we think cities can actually end up and that they could be these great epicenters of culture and, and growth and enlightenment, how you know, we're intended to be and not these um, hustle and bustle places of congestion and stress. Uh, so we'll talk a lot about that, but yeah, and there's all sorts of other things in regards to, um, workouts we're going to have on our blog and on steam that you can do in your own room. Uh, and, uh, also stuff like, um, sprouting, like sprouting your own food in your kitchen, um, creating your own herb garden and then your own essential oils and all this stuff you can do in a tiny apartment in Manhattan. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a great way to end it. Uh, thanks for taking the time today. Uh, with me, Dr. Lando, and um, you guys can uh, find out more about Alpha Vedic and what we do on our website, alphavedic.com, and, and we'll have all the links below. And uh, please visit our Steemit, uh, which is Steemit uh, at Alpha Vedic, A-L-F-A-V-E-D-I-C, and we'll have all that below as well. And we really look forward to continuing this conversation and also all the amazing guests we're gonna have. This is gonna be a really fun ride. Michael, Great. enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, you too, any parting okay. words for the community? Uh, no, I was, I was gonna ask you, did you catch anything this morning or you didn't tell me? Oh, so I actually didn't get to go fishing this morning. Um, I've been fishing every day, though, for two weeks, and this river's just been killing me. We haven't had much rain, so it's been low and clear, and it makes it – it's one of the clearest rivers in America, so it's very tough to fish. It's steelhead are running right now, though. Um, so I will get at it this afternoon. I'm going to take uh, my youngest. He loves to fish, and we're going to go out there and see if we can uh, catch one. So I'll let you awesome. know. I got you. For my daily uh, fishing report. Okay. So, uh, hey, um, good talking. Great talk, and uh, we'll be back at it soon. Thanks, everyone. Take care.